I don't know about you, but after that clip, I'm ready to go out in the boat today, you know. Well, good morning. Welcome to Palm Beach Community Church. I'm glad you're here. You know, this has been a stormy week. Uh, first, it was Boston, and now Texas, and now China. And I hope you will join us in praying for those and praying for those families and those among us. And aren't you glad you're here? I don't know about you. I enjoy so much worshiping with John, and I look forward to worshiping with you every Sunday in midst of the storms that are just swirling out there every day all over the place. I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to be here, and I hope you're glad to be here as well. Well, we are starting a new series talking about sailing through the storms of life. It's based on the 23rd Psalm, and I'd like to begin by asking you to do something. And this would be a little challenging for some of you. Uh, if you've been around here a long time, maybe the best thing you could do is just kind of close your eyes. Those of you new, you're not quite sure someone might steal your stuff, you know. But that's fine, you know. In 28 years, I've been the pastor here. No, nothing's gotten stolen yet. But anyways, just kind of close your eyes. I'd like you to go back in your mind. Can you do that with me? Close your eyes. Close your thoughts. And I want you to go back about nine years. 2004. The summer. The fall of 2004. Now, where were you? Where were you living? Now you can look up at me. How many of you were living here in South Florida? You know, the first service, before we got this far, people already were screaming out like, no, I don't want to go back. I don't even want to think about the summer and the fall of 2004. Because it was a difficult time. It was a time of storms, big storms. And if you lived here, like about 80% of us were here, you'll never forget 2004. You'll never forget a guy by the name of Charlie, right? Or a girl by the name of Francis or Ivan and Jean. Four hurricanes in six weeks. And I don't know if you're aware of this, and I'm... Uh, don't mean to be an alarmist, but Florida leads the nation in hurricane hits. Now, we got a bigger coastline, you know, but we like winning anyways down here in Florida. <laughs> but we lead the nation. From 1900 to 2004, I think there's like 174 hurricane hits. 64 of those hurricanes hit Florida. 64. And in 2004, that was the record, four in one year. 2005, anybody remember how many came that's the following year hit Florida? Three. You know, how many of you agree with the phrase, when it rains, it pours? Yeah. You know, when it rains, it pours. And it's raining in some of your all's lives right now. You're going through some tough times. What are the storms that you're facing? Are they ferocious storms? Are they big storms? Are they unpredictable? In Matthew chapter 8, we find uh, Jesus with his 12 disciples, and they're getting ready to face some ferocious storms. In verse 23, it says, then he got into a boat. He's referring to who? Jesus. He got in a boat, and I assure you the boat was much bigger than this boat because all 12 of them got in there. I don't think you could get more than two or three of us, at least my size, in that boat. But uh, they all got in the boat, and they began to go across the sea. And his disciples followed him, and without warning, I mean, out of nowhere, a what kind of storm? A furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But get this, what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. 
Now, earlier that day in, in uh, that chapter, he was preaching from the bow of the boat. They brought Jesus. He stood in the bow of the boat, and the audience was on the land, and he was preaching to him. Now he's in the stern of the boat, and he got these huge waves. And what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. Can you imagine that? To have such peace, to be in the ferocious storm, and to be just at rest. He's sleeping. Now, the sea here they're talking about is the Sea of Galilee. It's about uh, 13 miles north to south, about eight miles east to west. It's about a third of the size of, uh, size of Lake Okeechobee, which is like 35 by about 24 miles. Um, and so a third of the side. And it's part of what's called the, the uh, Jordan Valley. And the Jordan Valley was some 680 feet below sea level. And this valley attracted these huge winds to come in. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they would have these huge storms on the Sea of Galilee. Monster storms, monster winds. Matter of fact, the Greek word here for furious is the Greek word seismos. Can you say that with me? Seismos. Or you could say it this way, seismos. Because from that Greek word, we get our English word earthquake. It was a seismic storm. It was a big storm. It was so big that the boat couldn't even be seen over the waves. And remember, these guys, a lot of these guys were what? What did they do for a living? They were fishermen. They'd been on that Sea of Galilee many a times. But yet this time, they were afraid. There was fear in their hearts. Verse 25 says, the disciples went and they woke him saying, Jesus, save us. And the save us here is what you call in the Greek. It's a, it's a verb. It's an aorist verb, which means save us now. They're saying, Jesus, save us. Save us now. We're going to drown. I mean, they were in a state of panic. Have you been there? Have you ever found yourself in a desperate situation of panic? What storms are you facing right now in your life? Maybe it's a physical storm. Maybe it's an illness or maybe it's old age. You find yourself very physically weak in a weakened state. And sometimes you just pray, God, save me. Save me now. Save me from this debilitating body of mine. Save me from this debilitating illness. Or maybe you're facing surgery or physical pain or physical limitation. And you're praying that prayer, Lord, save me. Save me now. Or maybe it's an emotional storm. Now, emotional storms, psychological storms, they're not as obvious, but they can be much more painful than physical storms. Often the people around you, they, they don't understand and they can't relate to what you're going through and, and they can't understand what's wrong with you. But, and sometimes you don't even understand what's wrong with you. But you're crying out, Lord, save me. Save me now. You sense something's wrong. And others of us are in a relational storm, and those often seem to hurt the most. You're dealing with a rebellious child, a wayward spouse, a broken marriage, a spiteful friend, storms of misunderstanding, storms of, of miscommunication, storms of revenge, storms of hate, storms of hurt. And then others of you this morning, you're facing financial storms, and many feel those can be the worst kind of storms. Often they describe financial storms as a slow death. 
the slow death of a business that you've given your life to, a job that has given you a great sense of security, a home that has been the center of your family, and you're about to lose it. And your prayer is, Lord Jesus, save us. Save us now. Save my job. Save my marriage. Save my business. Save my home. And sometimes God steps in and he just miraculously saves us. And sometimes it seems that God's right there, but he doesn't save us. And then sometimes God seems strangely silent and you're not quite sure what to do. Now, let me be very clear this morning as we start this series. When a seismic storm hits our lives, there's nothing wrong with reacting to the storm initially. It's okay to initially react to the storm with fear and with doubt and with confusion and with anger. You know, we sometimes want to hide our feelings. We sometimes want to pretend everything's all right when it's not. And revealing our feelings is always the beginning of Healing. Can you say it with me? Revealing our feelings. Now, say it with me means like words come out of your mouth. All right. This, 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 I mean, this is a we've we've this is a great point. We've shared it many times. I'm not going to labor this point, but man, you need to get this down. Because see, I get called in in storms, and it's amazing. So many times, people aren't even to first base. They're not even in touch with their feelings, their emotions. They just want to pretend to think it's going to go away by pretending it's not there, and it gets worse. So revealing our feelings is always the beginning of healing. All right, let's say it again like we really mean it. Revealing our feelings is always the beginning of healing. I mean, Job reacted initially, didn't he, to the misfortune in his life? He didn't say, praise God, my family's dead, my kids are gone, my house has been destroyed, I've lost my business. No, Job said this, what I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Jeremiah initially reacted with these words, the misfortune in his life. He said, cursed be the day that I was born. May the day my mother born me not be blessed. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Even Jesus reacted initially to the unfairness of life to him. He was going to be crucified for a crime he didn't commit. A righteous man was going to suffer and bleed and die for the sins of the world. And how did he initially respond? With tears, with fear, with trembling, with loud cries. Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed with, what's the word? Sorrow to the point of death. If it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Three times he asked for the cup of sin and suffering, the cup of pain to be taken from him. And what I'm trying to say this morning, it's okay. It's okay to initially respond to the unfairness of life. Job did. Jeremiah did. Jesus did as well. You see, life's not always fair. Life's not always fair. And the sooner we come to realize that, the better off we'll be. Four facts that I've come to learn about life. Number one, life isn't fair. Number two, things don't always go as planned. 
right? Number three, many of the circumstances we encounter in life are beyond our control. Number four, storms come in many different directions, many different shapes and sizes. Hurricanes hit. Businesses go bankrupt. Employees get fired. Students get passed over for scholarships. Business plans fail. Friends move away. A once good marriage now ends in a divorce. Life just doesn't seem to go the way we would like for it to go. The fact is, many things in life are beyond our control. You didn't choose who your parents would be. You didn't choose your sex or your race. You didn't choose a lot of the uncontrollable circumstances of your life. But you can choose to sail through the storm. You can choose to succeed in spite of the circumstances in your life. You see, the storms in your life are no different than the storms in the life of men and women of the Bible, of men and women of history. The difference between them and us is who they put their faith in. David was in horrendous storms. We're going to talk more about it next week, but let me read this to you, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. How do I sail through the storms of life? Number one, I acknowledge that God is my captain. Can you say that with me? I acknowledge that God is my captain. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He refers to God as his Lord. Now, what does it mean to be a Lord? Well, Lord means sovereign one. It speaks of one who's in control, the supreme one, one in charge. If you're going to use our, our ship analogy, it would be the captain, right? I mean, who's in charge on a ship or on a boat? It's the captain of the ship. He has the ultimate control. He determines the destiny of the ship. So to refer to God as Lord, you're referring to him as the captain of your life, the captain of your soul, that he's in control, that he's calling the shots. So I need to ask you this morning, is God your captain? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he at the helm of your life, or are you at the helm of your life? Who's in control? Who do you think's in control? How do you live like who's in control? Now, you're not going to like what I'm getting ready to say, but I find it to be very true, and I think Scripture supports it. People that have control issues always have worry issues. Controlling people, controlling men, controlling women, controlling bosses always struggle with worry. Worry is a control issue. And the root behind all your worry is a fear 
that you're losing control or that you're not in control. And worry is always an attempt to try to control the uncontrollable. Worry is assuming responsibility that God never meant for us to have. So whenever we find ourselves worrying, a light ought to go off, bing, in our head saying, I'm trying to be the captain of my own life. I'm trying to control my own life. I'm trying to be the Lord of my own life. I need to put my faith and my trust in the captain, in the shepherd. The confession of the early church was, Jesus is Lord. Can you say that with me? Jesus is Lord. When we have a baptism service, we have everyone get baptized. They make that confession. They say, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is curious. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the sovereign one. Jesus is the supreme one. You see, the early church was run and controlled and influenced by Rome. And the Romans used to say, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is the sovereign one. Caesar is the supreme one. And the Christian community grew and flourished. And they kept saying, no, no, no. Jesus is Lord. So is he Lord? Is Jesus truly the captain of your life? Is he the shepherd of your life? Is he the leader of your life? Jesus said this in John 10. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. And my sheep listen to my voice. And I know them. And they what? Follow me. You notice these three verbs here? These three verbs help us understand what it means for Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. First of all, Jesus knows us and we know him. We experience him. We're in relationship with him. And because we know him and experience him and are in relationship with him, we're listening to him. We're listening to his voice. We're listening to the prompting, the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. And because we know him and we're listening to him, then we choose to do what? To follow him. We join him in his mission. We join in his mission of preaching the gospel and sharing the good news, of loving the people, of doing good. We join him by following him. This morning, some of you, you need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the captain of your soul. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life and the captain of my soul. Can you say that with me? Jesus, you're the Lord of my life and the captain of my soul. Because if Jesus is the captain of my life, worry is unhelpful. It never accomplishes anything. I mean, it's just stewing without doing. It's like sitting in your car in the garage with the garage door open, garage door closed, and you got your car going, and you're in neutral, and you're just sitting there revving up the motor going nowhere. You're just creating a lot of smoke and a lot of noise. That's what worry is. And eventually you're gonna kill yourself, right, with carbon monoxide poisoning. That's what worry is. It's just, it's unhelpful. <coughs> it's unhelpful. Just creating a lot of smoke. Because worry can't change the past. Worry can't control the future. It only makes us miserable in the present. So how do you sail through the storms of life? First, I must acknowledge that God is my captain. That God, number two, I begin to pray about everything. Can you say that with me? I begin to pray about everything. So you begin to replace worry with prayer. David said, the Lord is my what? Shepherd, my shepherd. David was a shepherd. He was the son of a shepherd. He learned to listen to the bleeding of the sheep, the calling of the sheep in distress. They would call out to the shepherd. 
Now, usually every uh, Saturday, I, I take a walk. I, have, I live on the back of this beautiful preserve, and I go out in the woods, you know, and I got my little stick with me, and, and uh, sometimes people walk with me, and I just love Old South Florida and Cyprus. And uh, about, a, I think about a month ago, I was walking, and I sometimes take pictures and, and catch some of this stuff, but I was walking along, and all of a sudden, I came on this clutch of baby alligator. It was a nest. There's like about 18 of them there, you know, and I walk up, and I just see them, and they're beautiful. And then I begin to hear this. What does that mean? That means mamas are coming. Exactly right. That means you've disturbed the babies, and they're crying out for help. And that means you get the heck out of there, right? Uh, You keep on moving, you know. And David is saying, you know, God is my shepherd, I can call out to him. I can cry out to them. He wants to help because he is compassionate. He is caring. Because Jesus is my captain, worry is useless. It just exaggerates our problems. It makes mountains out of molehills. It makes our problems seem bigger than they really are. And the more you worry, the bigger they get. To worry about something you can't change is useless. You see, worry doesn't change a thing, but prayer does. God says, don't worry about anything. What did he say? Don't worry about anything. That's God's advice. Instead, do what? Pray. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Why worry when we can pray? Prayer gets us in touch with God who can change things. Philip Keller in his classic book called The 23rd Psalm, he says this, contentment should be the hallmark of the person who has put their affairs in the hands of God. Wow. See, when we pray, we just give everything to God. And as we give things to God, then there's a sense of contentment. There's a sense of trust. As we give things to the captain, there's peace and security and satisfaction in the midst of the storm. You see, the problem is we just don't pray. I'm convinced that many of you, you would rather worry. You, you like worrying. You'd rather worry than pray. Peter says, give, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares about what happens to you. Now, the word give here means to let go of it. (laughs) It means to drop it, to unload the burden you're carrying on God because he cares for you. He's the good shepherd. He can take care of it. You can't. So acknowledge God as your captain. And begin to pray about everything in the midst of those storms. So how do I sail through the storms of life? Number one, I acknowledge God as my captain. Number two, I begin to pray about everything. And number three, I live one day at a time. David said, the Lord, God, God's my Lord, and he's my shepherd, and I have everything I need. Say that last phrase with me. I have everything I need. Wow. Man, when you live with that peace, when you live with that truth, it's amazing how you live a life of satisfaction and contentment in the midst of being ambitious. 
You know, I remember when Francis was coming in August of 2004, and we were over at that North Corp Center, our old office, beat-up offices there in that cave, and, and, you know, and so we got together. We all went in. I remember my son Raymond, he came in, and he, he didn't work at the church. He came in and helped, and we were gathering up our computers. First, we backed them all up, you know, and, and then we decided to put them on our desk because if it, you know, got wet, you know, and then we realized this place leaks like a sieve. We need to put them in plastic bags, and we put all the computers in plastic bags, and some of the staff were taking the pictures off the wall, you know, and taking them home, and, and my son turned to me and said, Dad, what are you going to do about all your books? He knew I loved my books more than my kids, you know, and what about your books? And I said, nah, they'll be all right. And he said, well, what about your, your ordination certificate on the wall and your diploma and everything? I said, nah, it'll be all right. And your pictures of your staff, nah, who cares about them, you know? I mean, it, it, it'll, it'll be all right. And it's just like, I, you know, I just, I had everything I needed. And there was just a strange sense of peace. And I remember going home and I loved my house in Egret Landing and my wife still loves that house in Egret Landing. And and I remember walking through the house, and we lived there for 11 years, but, you know, it's, it's just a house. I have everything I need. And my parents were all boarded up, up in Stewart, and the DeVosta home. I mean, they're built solid. You know, they're in great shape. And my wife was picking up her parents to uh, take them over to Naples, and the storm ends up following them to Naples, you know. And uh, Janelle was already gone off to college, and Raymond was leaving that night to go to uh, Focus on the family out to Colorado, and me and Philip were going to be there to ride out the storm together. You know, I just, I had everything I needed. And because I had everything I needed, I could just live one day at a time. One day at a time. Isaiah 40 says this, God takes care of his people like a shepherd. How many of you this morning can just honestly and sincerely raise your hand and say, boy, that is so true in my life. God takes care of his people. Raise your arms. Like a shepherd. He, he just comes through in incredible ways. Like a shepherd. He just shows up and, and rescues the sheep. God says, I will take care of you if you'll quit worrying and put your trust in me. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will meet, what's the word? All your needs. Now, not all your wants and wishes, but all your needs according to his glorious riches in Jesus Christ. You see, God's not some type of genie in the bottle that you just rub, you know, the bottle and get whatever you want. He'll meet all our needs, but we got to put our faith in him. We got to put our trust in him. Now, I need to ask you, if God promises to meet all our needs, what good does it do to worry? You see, because Jesus is my captain, worry is unhealthy. Worry is unnatural. You know, when you worry, you know, you, you get ulcers and backaches and neck aches and headaches and insomnia, and you just feel pathetic. The old English word worry, it means to choke or to strangle. And that's what worry does. It just chokes the life out of you. Now, it's very important that you get what I'm getting ready to say right now. You see, worry is a learned behavior. And some of you have been practicing it for a long time. And you've gotten real good at it. 
And you need to break the worry habit and to begin to live one day at a time. You need to break the worry habit, but rather than worrying, you replace it with praying, with bringing and giving your request to God and leaving it there and then living that day for that day's sake and purpose. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, give your entire attention to what God's doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard thing comes up when the time comes. Jesus is saying, don't open your umbrella until it starts raining. And some of you are going around all the time. It's sunny out and you got your umbrella out all the time. He's saying, live one day at a time. Hour by hour, moment by moment, day by day. Say, I am putting my faith, I am putting my trust in my captain, in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. Everything. Because he's the captain of my soul. He's the shepherd of my life. Jesus said this, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? Lays down his life. For his sheep, can't you put your trust in someone who is willing and who did lay down his life for you? He's worthy of your complete and your total trust. And he's agreeing with me. He's trying to get it out, you know. He's agreeing with me. Put your complete and total trust Trust in Christ. Wilbur Chapman, a Presbyterian pastor and evangelist back in the late 19th century, he was asked to come and to cheer up a little boy that was nine years of age, and this little boy was, was dying with cancer. And uh, so Wilbur Chapman shows up, and he begins to talk with this little boy. And he said, listen, let let let." Your hand represents your life, and your index finger is your life, your one life. And every single time you begin to worry, the little boy was afraid. He knew he was going to die, and he was worried about death. He said, let that index finger represent your life. And every time you get ready to worry and you become anxious, remember the words of the 23rd Psalm where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And he says, take your index finger and then grab it with your other hand and say that verse again. The Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. God's got a hold of my life. He's the captain of my life because the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. And every time you start worrying, just take your index finger and just grab onto it and tell yourself, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Well, about two weeks later, the little boy died. The next morning, mom went into his room and she found her son. And there he was with his index finger. And his hand was wrapped around it. The Lord is your shepherd. You have everything you need if you'll put 
your faith and your trust in him. Can we bow our heads in prayer? I want to invite you this morning, in the midst of all the distractions, just try to focus. I want to invite you this morning right now to put your complete and total trust in Jesus Christ. Let him be the captain of your life. Let him be the shepherd of your life. Now, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what storms you're facing. But I do know that God wants to save you. He wants to save you if you'll call out to him, like the disciples. And so I ask you right now to call out to him, just quietly, privately, for you just to call out to him, for you just to humble yourself, think of the situation in your life, and say, Jesus, save me. Save me now. I need you to rescue me. Humble yourself. Call out to him right now. You know, some of you this morning, for the first time in your life, you need to put your faith in that captain. You need to acknowledge right now and say, God, I acknowledge to you that, you know, I've made bad choices. I've done things that's wrong. And I put my faith and trust in you right now to save me and to change me. Christ, come into my life and change my life. Change me. The good shepherd is just a prayer away.